From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 517, Jason for Azure with guest Aiden Finn, recorded Monday, December 19th, 2016. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. We're coming into the second month of 2017 already. Time is flying. And my guest today is Aiden Finn, who's an MVP with the Hyper-V expertise. I don't know if that even exists anymore, because they've changed all the MVP titles around. But he's been working in IT infrastructure since 1996 as a technical sales lead for Micro Warehouse, a Microsoft distributor in Ireland. Welcome back, sir. Hey, Richard. How are you doing? I'm good. And by the way, thanks for your writing on Petri IT, because uh, I read your stuff. I retweet your stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's good. They're good thoughts. You you write a, good, a lot of good things over there. So I'm, I'm, I'm I am grateful. Thank you. So keeping yourself busy, Azure yeah. is still the thing, huh? Oh yeah, flat out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking. What is it? It's the end of December. We're recording this. Yep. And from a lot of people, it's like when things kind of wind down and slow down, maybe go for liquid lunches to celebrate the season and stuff like that. Yeah, that's not the way it works for IT. No, it sure isn't for me. Um, <laughs> as soon as the regular workers are away, it's time for us to patch and upgrade and replace and like, oh, man, yeah, it's well, a busy time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like that for me, except I don't have systems to run. Um, so, you know, I don't look after anything for myself or anyone else, you know, I'm not a consultant or a sysadmin, but I've spent the last three years working in the Azure space now, Mm -hmm. learning about Azure and evangelizing and teaching about Azure, you know, writing about Azure on Petri as well. And, you know, the last three, four months, I've been doing a lot of work, writing courses and teaching. So mm-hmm. I've been for my employer, Micro Warehouse in Dublin, where what's referred to as a CSP distributor. So we sell Microsoft cloud services to Microsoft partners, then sell solutions based on those services to our customers. Right. My job is to teach these guys how to sell it, how to deploy it and configure it. And I focus on the Azure side of things. You know, I've spent the last few months writing and teaching an Azure IaaS VM course. And so hands-on introduction over three days you know, going from, you know, what is an Azure right. all the way through to deploying JSON and creating their own JSON and stuff like that. What has JSON got to do with IaaS? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that's that's one I asked uh, in a Petri yeah. article a while ago. You know, what the heck is this infrastructure as code stuff got to do with me? That's for developers. You know, right. keep that dev stuff away from me in their Visual mm-hmm. Studio. It's a nasty thing. I want nothing to do with it. Last time I touched that thing, it was called Visual C++, and it came on 22 floppies. Um, <laughs> or could have I been just means you're old, Aiden. That's all that means. <laughs> yeah. Back when I questioned, you know, whether object-oriented stuff had a future. Um, yeah. I'll show you how wrong I usually am in this stuff. So and the reason I actually got interested in that was not when I was writing that particular course, mm-hmm. but it was when I was writing the next course, which was an Azure Back course. 
the core difference, obviously, between the two courses, other than the content matter, is that the the VM course that I've written, we give the the attendees a blank CSP subscription, and we walk them through deploying everything. So in the end, they end up with a geo-load balanced, fault-tolerant web farm running across three different regions around the world. Nice. And, you know, lots of cool stuff going on, security and backup, DMZ architectures and all that good stuff. And that's great. But the second course, the, the backup course, as I was writing it, I realized, you know what, I have to give people an environment to work in. You know, I can give them something that they can put on their laptops or in our new training room, but we're going to have bandwidth issues at some point because you know you'll have so many people in a room and you yeah, know vms people, are big yeah you don't want people trying to back up hyper v or vsphere vms or sql databases yeah. or whatever over you know contended wi-fi yeah not good no and you want to give people a good experience and the aim was to get them trained in a day because azure backup does not it's a big enough subject but it's not something that needs to be taught over three four days right so i thought let's deploy this in azure but i need to give people uh, a domain controller. I need to give them a server to run Azure Backup Server, the pay-as-you-go backup software from Microsoft. Mm-hmm. I need to give them somewhere to deploy a Mars agent. I need to give them a couple of things to back up, so a file server with some content on it and a SQL server with some databases on it. And I think, okay, I can't deploy that by hand, and I can't have the attendees deploy that in the morning because we'll, we'll lose three-quarters of the day by the time the thing is deployed. And before we even start on the backup training. So I need to deploy something and I'm not going to deploy that by hand by myself. I could PowerShell it, but you know what? PowerShell, it's great now, but for that sort of thing, it's slow and it's inflexible. And it doesn't have that ability to reach into the VMs like it would in Hyper-V where I've got PowerShell Direct. I don't have that functionality in Azure. Mm -hmm. What I needed was something where I could deploy it the same environment with a cookie cutter Every single time. We're totally reliable. Totally reliable. Well, yeah. And um, (laughs) could reach inside the VMs and do stuff for me. Right. And then I realized, you know what? This infrastructure is code stuff. It's JSON stuff that, Mm -hmm. you know, the dirty developers use. Um, Yeah, I need to learn how to do this. Wow. (laughs) Um, Because this thing, yeah, it's going to take me time to learn how to do it. But once I know how to do it, I can take that cookie cutter and stamp it out 10 times Nice. with two lines of PowerShell. So this is the Azure Quick Start templates? Not even. I, I actually no? have used them as a learning tool, but okay. nothing more. I've produced my own templates. You're just making your own. But it, the bottom line is this is the resource manager and these files yeah. so that you can just oh, yeah. build these things in one yeah. shot. You as a developer are going to love this. Well, you know, we've used these things because, you you know, you want to stand up these test environments yep quickly and then you know just get on your way try it out okay i like that it does these things okay wind it down i mean that's even awesome with stuff like sharepoint remember when you wanted to set up a test sharepoint case it's like okay well let's book out the whole weekend yeah because here goes and now in in the cloud you can have sharepoint up so quickly you can't discuss the merits of sharepoint or the lack of merits of sharepoint before the thing's up and running exactly with this json stuff you know out in the production world if i'm a sysadmin and I'm deploying new applications of working with developers who've gone through that cloud transformation process to understand yep. how to deploy a modern, and I don't mean the Windows 8 modern application, but a modern service across you know, an army of ants 
as I referred to it, instead of a platoon of giants. So lots of small VMs that we can power up and power down, have mm -hmm. load balancing both at the infrastructure layer and the application layer. You can deploy that stuff and say, okay, and do what I did, which was you deploy it by hand the first time. Right. And then you go to the resource group and you go to automation in the resource group in the Azure portal. And right in there is the JSON that describes everything you deployed. Nice. So it's actually writing the JSON for you. Yeah, because everything under the covers in Azure Resource Manager. So if you, once you get away from that classic stuff, you got to get away from classic. Right. Once you get into Resource Manager, everything under the covers is JSON. This is consistent with Azure Stack. So it's happening anyway. Yeah, so it's consistent with Azure Stack, which we're getting on-prem as well from Lenovo, HP, and Dell via Microsoft um, middle of uh, 2017. This is a consistent thing. So we can develop something and say we're using Azure just for test and dev. We can produce something up there, develop the application, then use the cookie cutter to produce the test environment and another test yep. environment and another test environment. And once QA is done, take that cookie cutter and push it out onto your Azure stack on-prem using the, the syndicated images from the Azure marketplace on-prem, and you've deployed the exact same system. Hmm. It's, not, it's not similar. It's the exact same system. Wow. And then, obviously, when systems in production... There are times when you need to deploy it again and again, just for test or for troubleshooting, performance monitoring, whatever it is. Sure. Where you don't want to interfere with the production system, but you need to have a clone of the production system. Well, you've got your cookie cutter. Yeah. And you just bash, bash, bash. And that approach appealed to me because I was able to say, you know what? I can take that cookie cutter and I can roll out my training lab with 30 seconds of work. In fact, sure. it's less. I run a PowerShell script, and it'll prompt me for my username and password and the desired password for the labs. And that's it. Nice. I go away, get coffee, maybe put my feet up and you know watch some YouTube or something. Or I, mean, <laughs> I mean Channel 9. And, right. um, and uh, you know, stuff is done. Yeah. Hours of work will be done in... I think it's taken about uh, 10 to 12 minutes for each deployment. When it's, this is the classic automation rule, right? By, if you're doing it the second time, it should have been automated. Yeah. So for stuff you're doing routinely. And it's cool what it does. It's not just deploying VMs because there's different things that we can do with the JSON. Right. So we've got the custom script extension, for example. So the JSON allows me to do better deployments than I do by hand because you have more uh, reach. So instead of deploying a VM and then coming back afterwards and adding on data disks and all that stuff, my JSON describes a VM that has the data disks and the configuration that I want. You know, mm -hmm. what sort of caching do I want and all that sort of sizing and all that malarkey. Uh, I'm able to name my NICs. So when I look at a NIC in a deployment, I know which VM it's associated with. Nice. Uh, instead of it having some random name, which you get if you go next, 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 or I mean, okay, 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 create through the GUI. I have more control, but I'm also able to run these different types of extensions. So I have the custom script extension. So I've got some PowerShell scripts stored in a shared blob container in an Azure storage account. So I've got a script extension for configuring a SQL server. I've got a script extension for downloading Azure Backup Server, its updates and all that stuff. I've mm -hmm. got another uh, one for setting up a file server with content on it. These things are all sitting on a container, which is shared. There's links to those from the JSON file. So the SQL virtual machine configuration is reaching out and saying, okay, pull down this PowerShell script from this URL mm -hmm. and execute it. 
So when the virtual machine is when the secret virtual machine is deployed, this configuration's done, database stuff is done. Then the next one's come along, it's deploying the Azure Backup Server, it's configuring the data disk, and then it's pulling down all the files and extracting the zip files and stuff. So when the student sits down at the lab, they don't have to spend half an hour downloading Azure Backup Server, downloading right. Update 1, downloading the latest version of the Mars agent. All the stuff is already there. Nice. So the work is done. Um, it's good to go. And it's, like I said, it's it's less than 30 seconds work for me to deploy this thing. Uh, nice. It just you know, then I get on with a day's work. But it does take a little while to get these scripts oh, working yeah. exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And you start off, like, you manually deploy something small. That's how I started. Sure. Um, so I said, you know what? Why don't I deploy a storage account in a resource group? Right. I create a JSON from that and learn. And, you know, I got my JSON. I opened up a notepad. All the, the next line formatting is lost. So I was like, okay, I know what to do here. I'll open up a WordPad. Then I reached out on Twitter, and, you know, I've got a great network of people on Twitter I can reach out to, and I said, guys, I'm I'm really finding editing these things in WordPad really sucky. Uh, anyone got any recommendations? And there's a guy who uh, worked in Microsoft UK until recently, a guy called Ed Baker, and he pinged back and he said, have you not tried VS Code with the various extensions? Hmm. VS Code, that sounds familiar. VS Code, that's a dev tool. Yeah, th that's Visual Studio. I'm, I'm <laughs> it's Visual Studio dev. Lite. But yeah. <laughs> so I downloaded this. It's free. Nice. You know, that, that, that's the first thing. That's, it's free. that's a good start. Yeah. yeah. So there's no blocker there. There's a free license. There's a ton of extensions from the community and from Microsoft. So there's a bunch of them just for JSON. Mm -hmm. So one of the challenges when you're editing a JSON file is to me it looks like an XML file. You know, it's just a bunch of brackets and indentation and commas all over the place. And you know, I said that once in a training course, and there was a developer in the course, and he said it looks nothing like XML. It's true. And I was like, okie dokie, it does to me because it's just brackets and indentation all over the place. It's gobbledygook. Those are braces, my friend. Braces. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> so, it's like uh, you know, editing this thing in WordPad. It, I, I, I'm not getting the syntax right. I'm, I'm having sure. to manually go back and match up braces and brackets and all this stuff and and quotes and all of those things matter, right? Yeah, You're writing code, yeah, they do. And you know, are you doing single quotes, double quotes? Because that's important too. Yep, spelling has to be yeah. correct. Like, yeah, all of these things matter. Yeah, and and it's funny things like when you're referring to versions of APIs and stuff like that, you have to have the dates correct. And you, <laughs> where do you get the dates from? I don't know. So when I got VS Code and I put in the extension, suddenly everything just became that bit easier. Nice. Because the thing at the bottom was telling me, okay, you, you're trying to use this variable and it doesn't exist. Uh, or you've got this parameter here and it's not used anywhere. Mm-hmm. And when you get one of these JSON files from Azure, to be quite honest, it's it's noise because when you run it, it's going to ask you about 2,000 questions. It's stuff that you won't necessarily know the answer to uh, because a lot of the stuff that's created in Azure is kind of the, created on the fly and on the back end. And it's, you know, it's object stuff behind the scenes that you really, as a human, you're not meant to know. Right. When you take the JSON and you start trimming it down and saying, okay, I don't need to be asked about this, 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 and this, and this. Just figure that out based on, you know, I've got a load balancer called this. Figure out, you know, 
what the front end is for the load balancer, what the back end is for the load balancer, and use those things for me. You know, nice. you, use the NIC for that virtual machine. Stop asking mm-hmm. me silly questions. <laughs> and because <laughs> the JSON file, it's it's split into three sections, and the first right. section's parameters. So it's basically questions you're going to be asked. Yep. And you can give it default values. So the one that I've created for, for example, for a DMZ deployment, we deploy some web servers and some database servers on two different tiers with NSGs for security and all that stuff. We have different specs of VMs that you can select from that um, using a drop-down list box, different versions of SQL Server, different editions of SQL Server, different versions of Windows Server. So people, when they take this JSON, they can look at it and go, okay, I can deploy a DMZ without having to know about all this stuff. It's just a simple JSON. I just have to pick what spec of VM, what version of SQL Server, what version of Windows, bish, bash, bosh, and this stuff just deploys. Nice. So that's the parameter section. Which questions do you want to be asked? And then the noisy stuff that's always going to be the same, well, you store those in variables. So it's nothing that different really to a a PowerShell script or VB script or something. Mm -hmm. And then the real magic is at the end, which is the resources, where you're describing the VMs and everything. And all the structure of that and all the syntax of that comes from your exported uh, JSON file which you grab from the, uh, the Azure portal, or you go right. to the repository, um, so the GitHub repository, or you go to the Microsoft front end of it, where you've got all these curated templates, and you can say, okay, you know, I want to see how to deploy a load balancer, for example, which is a bit mm-hmm. that scary the first time. Yeah, a lot of little bits you have to get right. Yeah, because there's a, there's a few fiddly bits in there. And it's like, okay, let's have a look at that and, you know, see how the different bits are linked together and you just trace through it. You figure out, okay, that's referring to something else and has a depends on uh, for this. So it's got a dependency for something else. So it'll wait for that something else to be deployed first. And mm-hmm. you kind of trace through it. You figure it out and it's like, okay, it'll take time. When you run the thing, it'll go through a validation process. And you know, more often than not, it's going to say, no, uh, you've got a problem. <laughs> You're missing something yep. or there's a syntax error or whatever. Yep, you t- typo, closed, not didn't close a brace, missing a quote, yeah. all of those things. Yeah, and you know, no one's gonna die. No. That's a great thing, is especially if you set yourself up with a test subscription. Yeah, have credit card, set up a free trial, or if you've got you know some capacity in your subscriptions at work, you just go with that. The portal will steer you towards where your problems are. And nice. That's what I found, and you get some really cool stuff going. Today, I started to learn how to do desired state configuration. Awesome. Yeah, I'd never done it before. Because to me, it was like, okay, that's something that... It'll take time to experiment with. I got to block yeah. out a day kind of thing. Yeah, it's one of those things. If you have 100,000 web servers you need to deploy for the latest Xbox One game, sure. you need to know DSC. Right. Me, I work in the 500 and fewer users business. I don't need to know that stuff. And then of course. I was realizing, you know what? I could deploy a domain controller a lot more efficiently using JSON and all this stuff if I just used desired state configuration to reach inside the virtual machine and basically pull together uh, all the roles and services that are required for a domain controller and then do the DC promo for me nice. instead of scripting it. That's pretty powerful. Yeah, it's, it's, and when you see the actual configuration, and you know, it's not that hard, a bit of Googling, and I found it in five minutes less, and you look, look through it, and it's like, okay, I'm no genius, and this is fairly self-explanatory. No kidding, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's um, pretty obvious. And suddenly... You know, I'm looking at it going, okay, a year ago, I was saying that infrastructure's code really was not going to be any use to me. Right. And now it is. And <laughs> I, have, I 
purposely went to other things instead of DSC sessions at different conferences. And I'm now realizing I was a moron and I should have gone to those sessions. You were missing out. Yeah, I should have paid more attention to some of these PowerShell guys when they were talking about how useful this thing is. That powerful. And it, it, it's not PowerShell scripting. It's literally just a description of what it is you want in another file format. Aiden, give me one second here because this episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by the Humanitarian Toolbox. Humanitarian Toolbox builds open source software for disaster relief organizations. One of their leading projects called Already focuses on getting volunteers into the right place at the right time. HTBox is deploying this application into the field in the first half of 2017, and they need your help. Go to hdbox.org for more information or to make a tax-deductible donation. HDBox is a 501c3 U.S. registered charity. So, and I like the fact that you are describing this as a description, not a script. Yeah. But literally, it's this is what goes into this instance, whatever it may be. This is what I want. Yeah. Yep. Make me one of these, yep. please. I want to have my server my way. Mm-hmm. I used to describe Azure as being the McDonald's of computing. I was wrong. It was Burger King. <laughs> Just make it this way. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. Here you I go. I want it my way. But I can also see, you know, like building out test labs. You know, I'm dealing with companies where they're building these e-commerce sites and their complete set of regression tests run 48 hours. Mm-hmm. And you just can't afford the time. You need to get back the test results faster. So it turns out if you light up a hundred instances of the website simultaneously inside the cloud, split the tests across all of that, all of a sudden you're done in a lot less time. Yeah, and you only pay for what you use while you use it. Yeah, the whole thing runs yeah. in under a half an hour and you just pay for that half an hour. Yeah, your script... You know, you can build those things out, so deploy them out with JSON, and at the end of it, destroy them all. Yep. Well, I just, I, I don't know if you're finding this, but I've stopped updating servers. You just make new ones and kill the old ones. <laughs> well, my stuff never lasts that long, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I live I live in a lab world, so I don't really sure. have production stuff. Um, so things don't last that long, and I you know, the only thing that really lasts is my WordPress site. Um, nice. That's about it, um, which has been running quite happily now on Azure for God, two and a half, three years, I think. Just this idea that if you update a server, you're creating this sort of unknown state. When you're always working for a configuration as code, and you simply make a new server with the new configuration and shift the work over to it. Yeah. You're not afraid of anything. Everything is recreatable. Nothing is sacred or special. We can oh, make a new one. Oh, Ah, uh, you're going into uh, Jeffrey Snover. Jeff Snover, yes. Yeah, and uh, you're going into his territory with Snowflake servers and all that sort of thing. Yeah. I think they still exist and will exist. In fact, I know they still exist and they continue to and will do for quite some time, unfortunately. As a friend of mine, Didier Van Hoy in Belgium would say, we should treat our servers as cows, not as pets. But the problem is some of our servers are sacred cows. Right. You just can't shoot them. And that's just the nature of a lot of what's been deployed out in industry is. Mm-hmm. And it, and even Windows Server itself is kind of guilty of some of this. Sure. You know, there's just certain functionality, certain applications out there that have a certain importance and they're not, des- they haven't gone through that cloud transformation. Right. Where you can say, okay, you're not behaving the way I like, um, or it's easier for me to nuke you than update you. Yep. 
And you're going to see some of that probably with Nano Server, for example. You know, this whole boot from VHD concept. The great thing about VHD is it's easily replaced. That whole, you know, it's easier to nuke you and get rid of you and put something new in there than keep you around. Hopefully they don't take that approach with people. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I think I've run across a few organizations that do. It's not like we're ever going to run out of work. It's just the nature of our work's evolved. But I do think it's a good metric to say, are we increasing the number of sacred crowds or are we decreasing them? Mm-hmm. Is it a worthy mission to be Yeah, looking- it should be our desire to go through that process where no individual machine has a value. And I don't think anyone would question that other than Java developers. Right. Though that, that generation of developer is still stuck on the application where the web server and the database server are in the same VM and rely on a file share somewhere because that's where the password is stored. Yep. That generation of developer is still out there producing crap in enterprise. <laughs> Oh, you cynic. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I know it's true. Yeah. You know, the, the good guys, you know, tend not to be employed in enterprise. Yeah. Because enterprise is where, you know, various different kinds of skills go to die. <laughs> you know, ingenuity and creativity isn't encouraged in a corporation. It has, it has its issues without a doubt. Yeah. But, you know, you, you talk about getting to, I, I can see wanting to take an existing web app and get it into this configurations code model. The challenge is the jump so big. You know, what's the number one requested feature for DSC? It's can you map out my existing machine? Mm. And the, the answer is no. Right. And I don't know that it's ever not going to be no. That we're gonna we have to go through the process of writing the script to create the machine from scratch mm. to actually understand what's in it. Yeah. Oh, it gets easier with nano really because there is so little in it. Yeah, but you know the the fact is going to Nano is greenfielding an app. Right? Yeah. What you're doing is creating a constraint that's going to force you to do the hard work in the first place. You should be able to do this with a regular version of Windows too, right? It's just you've got to go through that process of really actually knowing everything that runs on that machine. Mm. Nano is just creating a smaller surface area of what you can run and how you run it with some perks, right? I mean, it's fat. Yeah, you have total control over it as well, and it's less likely to change because no one knows how yeah. to use it. So. you know the same way the ipad launched a whole new set of development missions because it was a new os with its own set of rules and its own devices and so you had to start from scratch it's just not feasible for an awful lot of folks right i'd I'd hate to say to put the constraint of you have to have nano to make this make sense i think you can go through and start defining out machines with these templates so that you can you know see them run the the fun part would be to be able to to come up with a templating system that's for on-premise as well. Well, Azure Stack makes that possible. So that this is the great thing about Azure Resource Manager is that it's going to be on-prem, it's going to be in the cloud, and looking at the scale of what Azure Stack actually is, I'm I'm going to be curious to see what the sticker price is going to be, but I don't think it's, it's going to be huge. crazy like CS or CPS was. Well, I just worried, you know, we did, I did a show for a while, a while back, speaking of Jeff Snover, uh, around the Ignite with Azure Stack, and like the requirements are steep enough. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's for regular shops. I think it's not for a it's small going guy. to be. Um, no, I don't think it's for medium guy. I think it's some of the very biggest, and everybody, and maybe Rackspace will sell this service to you. You know that they you can you don't have to run on the public cloud. No. You can run on this 
semi-public yeah. cloud or this, you know, semi-private cloud approach to it. But yeah, I I think it's the the requirement, the the specific hardware, Microsoft's updating your machines, you know, like that whole mindset, I think is very alien. threatening to the a lot of folks. Yeah, it's alien, it's different. Like the, it's it is literally just cloud on-prem because right. You know, it's less worrying about the infrastructure. It's it's more spending time about what's going on at the VM layer and the SaaS layer and the PaaS layer than what disks am I putting in, what firmware am I at, what you know, what drivers have I got in there, what NIC configuration am I using. That's all yep. pre-configured for you and hard set for valuable reasons, which is quality control, because Microsoft want to make sure that you know, when you get Azure Stack... It's got to be an amazing experience, yeah. I like Jeffrey Snover's line on this where he talked about all these snowflake clouds that are out there. Yep. And, you know, everyone's got a different cloud and, you know, there's no consistency and he wants to bring that Windows experience where, you know, it was a common platform across all kinds of hardware, but Windows kind of leveled out the hardware. It was the sandpaper across hardware, if you want to call yep. it that. And he wants to bring that to the cloud. Um, whether it's on-prem, whether it's with a hosting partner, whether it's with... You know Microsoft, and I think that's a great vision. Uh, yeah, I really very, do. Very challenging. I, I just hope that you know the OEMs don't say do what they did with the old cluster kits back in the day. It's like, okay, this is a DL three eighty or an R seven thirty, but it's got a special badge on it. <laughs> it's fifty yep. percent more. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it does this one extra thing, right? Like, that, one of the problems here is that when you compete in the marketplace, you want to differentiate, and we're looking for commonality. Mm. And and then because then we're going to go to the lowest price. If everybody's selling the same product, right? If you could buy Azure Stack from four different services, you, and but you know that Azure Stack is an absolute standard, you're going to go with the cheapest one. Yeah, and that's a that's a tough way to make a living in this industry, I think. So it's it's going to be a real battle. But I, I, how many times have we done this back in a, into an approach technique where you're avoiding touching your existing sacred cows? You're going to make new things in the new way. And I just think we should be able to grab onto our existing infrastructure and, and start implementing this way. And it might take some time to get there, but you've got so many advantages once you deliver it. Yeah, it's I I I I know people who completely do that. Um, yeah. So my friend Diddy, I mentioned earlier, he does that sort of thing. He he lets nothing from the past live on uh, in right. the environment that he works in. He drags everyone kicking and screaming saying listen we've got to stay up because this is where our this is where we can be an enabler for the business sure you can't do it all at once but if you're not knocking down one sacred cow a quarter <laughs> i think you're missing out yeah right i mean i think it's a worthy goal that each quarter we're going to commit a certain amount of resource to figuring out how this particular thing that is a special snowflake becomes configuration as coding can be reproduced on demand mm. yeah, i'm seeing you know. i'm seeing some of our resellers take that approach with lift and shift nice. to the cloud as well where they're going out to their customers and saying listen you know we can take that particular system you're running on-prem because we've lots of customers running that system and we've got a template um, yep. we'll deploy that thing out for you you don't have to worry about it ever again we'll look after all the solutions you just use it and yep. sure, it's going to cost a little bit more. You know what? You don't have to care about it anymore. There's no server yeah. in the corner. There's no rack in the, the basement or whatever it is. You just log in in the morning. Don't worry about it anymore. IT can just keep your PCs running. Um, 
and they standardize the thing. Yeah. I, I would think ultimately the ROI ends up being lower because you got to actually account for the capital cost of that hardware, the maintenance over time, the cost of operating it in the space, the, and all the updates. Like I think for most organizations, it's not that cloud is uh, more reliable, so it's worth the additional expense. I think when you actually understand the overall costs, you're saving money. It's it's the exceptional things, I think. It's, you know, when you're going through the upgrade cycles. Yeah. You know, you got to replace that hardware. When you got to re- upgrade that operating system, when that version of SQL Server is no longer supported. Yes. That's the... That's, that's the, the difference. That's the expensive part of the life cycle that no yes. one ever considers. You know, people... Well, or, or tries to avoid because it's only every few years, yeah. right? Hopefully, I'll be up... Hopefully, I will get my promotion and be out of here before they actually <laughs> have to replace that stuff. Yeah. Um, win the win the lottery before then. Nice. Yeah. Well, I, Aiden, I'm I'm really excited that you're excited about this stuff. You know, because for me, switch hitting back and forth. The dev guys have spent a lot of time taking advantage of this this tool, the, the various toolings. There's a bunch of approaches to be able to automate deployments like this that we can test over and over and over again, and to see it grab a hold. You know, in the data center space, I think it's really important. It, it speaks to a funner day. And how we uh, take care of this infrastructure. You definitely. And it's it's cool to learn new things when you're a nerd. For sure. Aiden Finn, always fun to talk to you, sir. Show number nine. I got to give you a frequent guest card or something. Woohoo! And uh, thanks for coming out and chatting with me. Thanks very much for asking me. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. 